All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition, another episode of Pastor Rock Podcast. It's been a while. It's been a long summer. It's hot. It's crazy out here in Texas. I don't know about y'all. But um, today, I got a special guest. You know, he's our local star here in Mansfield, Arlington, Lubbock, Dallas, Houston. DJ Oso, Osagi, whatever you call him. How's it going, bro? Hey, man. I'm doing good. How, how's How the summer you? been for you, bro? It's been a long summer, uh, but I've been able to, you know, feel every day. You know, sometimes summer, you yeah. just wake up and it's over. I feel like I've had a long, packed summer. See, I don't think the same. I think summer's been pretty short because I feel like all summer I've been, like, occupied with doing something or the other. And, like, it's not even, like, sometimes it's just random stuff. Like, it might, it might not be productive at all. But, like, I feel like the summer's gone by really fast for me because already August right now. Like, summer's pretty yeah. much over. Like, Basically. everyone was talking about it's going to be a crazy summer, it's going to be a shasty summer, summer's over. It's like, now we're going into the fall. But uh, I guess from that, talk about last summer, how, like, this time last summer, we're in a whole completely different place. There was no parties, really. There was no mm-hmm. big events. Everything was kind of small. So talk to me about how that affected DJing for you. Um, well, it affected me personally more than, it, of course, DJ-wise, I wasn't able to perform, but that affected me personally mm-hmm. um it was a long summer of just me you know we're all in the house we're all you know going through quarantine together but it was just i think um me being on the run that i was on yeah i guess spring semester and before mm-hmm. that uh and being getting used to djing every week and things like that uh i felt like a part of me was kind of missing and it's like you don't know what to do with your time you don't know what exactly like Oh, how long am I going to be in the house? When's the next time I'm going to be back DJing? And uh, how is it going to be different? All those kind of things, those thoughts enter your mind. But it's it was a very different time than where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've grown for sure. Me having that time to myself to not DJ definitely shifted um, how I view it. Yeah, It gave me time to miss it, if that makes sense. And so I don't take it for granted. But now it's like also... Not only do I not take it for granted, I have a different direction or I'm thinking bigger in terms of the things that I feel like can get done through DJing. So even to kind of to even like begin with, what made you even get into like DJing? Because, I mean, at what point in time were you just like, man, this DJing thing sounds like kind of like something that I'm interested in. What even made you like start, I guess, practicing the whole act of DJing in general? Um, So... It's a it's an interesting story. Uh, I've always loved music. I grew up in a music loving household. Both of my sisters were in choir, played instruments, um, like competitively actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was always music in my house. So I've always been a music lover throughout high school. That was what kind of like kept me company in a way. But um, long story short, I always liked music. And then, you know, Sos. Yeah. Sos was, uh, we'd always, me and Sos would always talk about music in general, but then he started getting into DJing. We would both say, uh, I, we would both like kind of say, oh, I'm, you know, I would be saying, you know, I kind of want to get into DJing, yeah. but I would never do it. Sos actually got up and did it. Um, unfortunately, he passed away prematurely. Yeah. But I'll never forget when he told me, like, when I would tell him I want to DJ, he'd be like, dude, shut up. Like, you're not going to do If you're not going to do it, stop saying it. Yeah, that's what he would like drill into my head. So I just stopped saying it. Um, 
and he passed away. And I, I kind of took it for a different lesson. Instead of just, if you're not going to do it, stop saying it more so. Why not just do it? Because you never know, like, where it can get you. you or where it could get you. Um, so, if I'm if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure you started, like, getting into this DJ stuff, like, spring of 2019, like, mainly, I'm pretty sure. Or was it was it later? Um, Yeah. Spring 2019. 2019. Uh, that was when I first started DJing. First turntables. Uh, shout out to Z. He gave me my first turntables. True. But, um, yeah, it quickly ramped up into, you know, it's one of those things where that time at Tech, after Souls Pass, it was kind of like a, a void yeah. of anyone wanting to do anything. We're all kind of just in that same slump, I feel like. But mm, before Souls passed, him, I, and my roommates, EJ and Debo, we planned out the only event. Yeah. Never got to it. He passed away. We were all just kind of shook by that. But we decided that it's only right for us to still do it. And uh, graduation for spring semester was the next opportunity. And so that was the first time I DJed publicly for an actual event. And um, we put it together ourselves. And it was a great event. Well, to my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, um, I, it was a great event. But, like, I'm not, like, even speaking on souls, like, like, Souls Passing is probably one of the, like, even just looking at tech, you could just feel, like, the whole campus, like at least for, like, the black community and people who, like, knew who it was. Like, the whole community just kind of shut down for, like, a few weeks. And it was just, like, it just imagine it's, like, that point in time, like, if, when I think back at it, bro, like, because being honest, like, me and Souls were not, like, super close. So, like, I wouldn't say he was, like, you know, my best friend. But it's, like, someone, like, Souls was, like, kind of that person that everybody like everybody knew, like you know, everyone who Sos was, like he was kind of that kind of person who kind of makes people feel included all the time, like even like at events and everything. So, yeah, that definitely shut, like shut down the whole campus, like in general. But like speaking on that, how did that, like how did you fight through that grief to find motivation? Because you know, there's so many people, like grief leads them to a different path, like it leads them to a very dark road, and like some people never make it out of that even though we see a lot of people who use that as motivation and as, like, a time to, like, strive hard for these people, but it's yeah. it's harder than it looks. So how what was it that just kept you pushing that made you, like, come out that slump that we all know, like, everyone was in? Like, how did you get out of that? Um, I think it's I, – I, I started getting closer to Sos probably not too long before that. Like, I wouldn't say we had the longest relationship – yeah. But that whole school year, we spent multiple days every week. He was always at our house. Yeah. He'll be practicing our house. So it's like when you see that and you see the drop someone else has and then you see their life get taken away too soon, it's like, you know, at a young age, you start to think about things like, okay, how long do I have left? And um, those kind of questions start to ring in your head. And then combined with the drive of someone else seeing them, it's like, okay, if if it was like – he was onto something, mm -hmm. and he got it taken away from him. So it's like, why would I waste the time I have? And I have time, you know what I mean, yeah. if that makes sense. That makes sense. But, um, yeah, long live Sosta. He's for sure one of the – he's for sure what, what has kept me, like – like, it's a North Star for me mm -hmm. to think, okay, I can't – why would I give it up if – I know I have passion for it, and I know that if it was – if he was still here – uh, and it was different. He wouldn't give up on it. So yeah, one of those things. That's just really, it's really crazy to think about, man. Like, 
So much could have happened. Um, so talk to me about that uh, that transition from spring to fall 2019. Because I mean, we know you kind of went from that. You know, you you know, you kind of went from you know trying to practice your craft, especially all through the summer, and then you know you had a, a few gigs in Dallas uh, over that summer. But talk to me about that point in time when you realized. Because I mean, at least I personally think at some point in time you kind of realized that you were kind of that go-to DJ at Tech, and it's like you know a lot of people. Like, as a DJ in a certain city or in a certain school, you want to be that guy that's like, okay, th this is usually, like, our number one option type stuff. And, like, I could say at least you were at least one of the top options at Tech. So, getting to that point, like, what did it do for you as a DJ? Um, So, first event was graduation weekend. So, yeah. that was my beginning to my actual DJ career was the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of DJs is... It's sometimes easier to start slow, do house parties in college. You know, there's that community and that engagement to where you already know there's always going to be at least a group of people to DJ to. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a strong start with graduation weekend led me, and then me also knowing enough people in Dallas and tech having the influence that it has when it comes to Dallas and the, the party culture, or the nightlife culture when it comes yeah. to people that have graduated from college, a lot of them that party graduated from tech. Um, so it's like, I have all these people that love to party. We're all from the same city. So it's like, keep it rolling. It was, it was, it was that easy to keep it rolling through the summer. Then, um, I was doing a lot of house parties. I was hitting people up. You, you got a house party. Let me do it. You got a house party. Let me do it. That was practice, but more so exposure, trying to meet, get out and stuff like that. So, that was the whole summer, just me reaching out, me reaching out, trying to get wherever I can get to the DJ. Um, but translating into the fall, I have this momentum. So mm -hmm. I started spring, and it looks like, from the outside looking in, it looks like there's no slow moment. Yeah. If I'm not doing something, I'm at least doing a house party. So fall comes, uh, and my good friends, Crim City News, <laughs> y'all boys hit me oh up. Oh, my God. Uh, told me, you know, y'all got a pool party for me. Um, so me, I'm looking at it like, okay, it's my first event back. This is like the, okay, yeah, you, you got one hit, but do it again. Mm -hmm. So that that was my moment to say, all right, yeah, let me let me really show these niggas yeah, what's up? that I can do I it. Got this. <laughs> um, so that was, to this day, I still hear that was one of the, the best parties since my sophomore year. Bro, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like thinking about it, like COVID, like we always, everyone was always says this. Like, like I feel like COVID really came and took something good away. Cause, cause think about like for me, I hadn't had that much fun. Like the transition from fall 2019. Obviously, there was like random weekends where it's just like what's going on. But it's like transition from fall 2019 to like spring 2020 was perfect. It was like fall 2019 welcome week was the best welcome week I'd had since my freshman year. Cause you know, the past two years, it was kind of like up and down type stuff. And like fall 2019, everything was just perfect. Like I got to go out almost every time uh, throughout the weekend. It was just a great vibe. But like I feel like coming into spring 2019, COVID just kind of ruined everything. Like literally after that whole also fun day that, that, that happened in Lubbock, it was like, I just remember everyone was just like, oh, yeah, this semester's going to be crazy. Like we're going we're gonna to have like parties, day parties, Sunday fun day. Because I feel like that brought in like – because obviously Sunday fun day is already thin in Dallas. Like everyone yeah. knows that. Uh, in Houston, I mean, they do something on Sundays. But like 
in Lubbock, obviously it's like Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's like I mean, it's Lubbock. What are you gonna do on Sunday? Yeah. But it's like that whole thing kind of transcending to that whole. Okay, maybe we can find a place to go on Sunday or some Sundays type stuff, and everyone was excited for that. And like and COVID, I think, just I, think it. Um, I don't like to toot my own horn, but what Whatever. I do, <laughs> what I notice is I did also Sundays right. Uh huh. And it was a good event. And like you said, that culture already exists in Dallas. Yeah. But it wasn't a thing in the Texas college, Texas college scene. Yeah. I did also Sundays. Uh, I started hearing chatter about, oh, this. Really what happened was I announced it. Then someone else announced one at Tech. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Then UNT announced one. Then, you know. Yeah. And I view it as like, that's love to me because it's like, okay, at least I know people are watching. But would you say like that's like setting a trend or is it like we're not setting a trend, but like kind of like there's nothing new under the sun. So it's not like I created the concept of a yeah. Sunday Funday, but I think I kind of broke the barrier mm-hmm. of, OK, this isn't something that grown folk just can just do. Yeah. Um. Even organizing it, it was like I had to find a spot to even do a Sunday Funday type event and lobby the the owner and the managers of that venue and like try and get it to happen because yeah. there are barriers I had to break down for that. Um, to this day, that was the only time that Beer House ever allowed 18 plus Probably instead yeah, of 21 time plus. Go to. Man, and like, crazy. I actually don't feel like they even, after, what's crazy is I, I sold all their food out. Majority of their bar was sold out. That's good for them. Like, and it's good for them, but to this day, when I go back in there and I try to talk to them about business, they still don't, they don't rock with me, which is crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think about that, man. That's the only thing I think about, like, especially, I mean, I feel like in Dallas more so it's easier because it's just so much crowd. But in Lubbock, being out there in the West, like, there's only so much you can actually do when it comes to, like, throwing events, especially when you're working through clubs. Like, if you're working through, like, if it's someone that you know, like, you know, like, someone that's is more reasonable knows how this goes. Like, if it's a party, like, that's different. But I feel like Beer House being a bar, it's, like, so, it, it, I feel like it's so hard for DJs in general when you're trying to do your own thing. And obviously, you want your whole crowd to come out because it's, like, you have people, you have crowd like below 21. Like once you say like 21 and above in Dallas, you can survive because it's like there's so many people in Dallas. coming in. Yeah. That's how, that's how they see it because if yeah. you're under 21, you can't do anything for me but buy food. Yeah. But alcohol in Dallas is like crazy. That's where you make the money. But in Lubbock, it's like if you say it's a college town. So if you say 21 and above, that's half the population gone. Majority because like, even – yeah. Everyone that's above 21 is trying to graduate and get the fuck out. Yeah. No one's trying to go out that much no more. Everyone's just trying so. to chill. So it's just like I'll say, uh, yeah, there were, it's there's difficulty there, um, mm-hmm. but it it teaches me a valuable lesson, which is if you want something done, you got to get it done yourself. True. Uh, there's not gonna be if it was that easy to just say, okay, let me just go somewhere, get it done, pay for it, and it's we're all good to go. Then everyone would do it. Um, felt like there's a lot of leaders, a uh, few of my mentors, mm-hmm. just. They've let by watching them. They've helped me realize that nine times out of ten, if you want to do something that's actually worthwhile, you're gonna have to break down some doors or ruffle some feathers. Because there's no, there's no. For example, in Lubbock, one manager basically manages the whole strip of Buddy Holly, which is where all the clubs are at. Um. So if he, if you're not in his good graces, it looks like you're shit out of luck. But there's always a way to make it happen. Yeah. Or if he's trying to charge you this or that, or if other organizations have already booked it, whatever it may be, it looks like you're shit out of luck. But that's what kind of 
Throwing also Sundays was like that uh, experiment that I had to go through mm -hmm. to know that, okay, yeah, this isn't going to work on Buddy Holly or this isn't going to work in this situation, but I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And I still get, you know, that is what kind of drives me that, that like creativity. Uh -huh. That's where I feel like that's where I can do what other people can't is like, yeah. not that they can't, but that's what drives me to do what people say you can't do yeah. or not nah, that won't work yeah. because people tell you that i mean yeah like i feel like when it comes to creativity especially like you have your own vision for your own brand your own thing and like obviously there's people who are like genuinely like giving you great advice and like mm -hmm. there's people who are looking out for you like there's a difference between someone actually hearing you out and like saying okay if i say i want to do this it's like okay it sounds kind of questionable, but let, let me hear what your plan is, what like what you have set up. And then after listening to everything, like, you know, that makes sense. But there's also people who just be like, are you trying to do this? Nah, bro, that's not going to work. And it's like, bro, so, you don't even know how I'm trying to go about it. And think, it's like. I think with, with that, I'm the most overly analytical person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. I'm always going to think about things a million times before I even come to anyone else to ask them about it. And then so I realized I stopped asking people because with no no malice but it's like i'm gonna know more about what i'm asking you about than anyone else would ever know so it's like you almost have to drown out me personally i have to drown out everything yeah and decide if i feel like if i'm convicted then i have to just do it like me i've spent a lot of time planning things and asking people yeah. saying oh this might be an issue this might be an issue and then me being the person i am i'm gonna think about those issues a lot yeah. um i had to cut all that out mm-hmm and just try and make sure I, if I feel convicted, I feel like if, if it's going to work, I got to do it head on. I think that's how that's how it works. Nine times out of ten, like if you you asking me about a podcast, yeah, I'm not going to know as much as you. True. And but if you ask me for advice, I'm going to say, oh, this might not work. This might not work. But you, this is your field, not mine. So another thing is like it's not even just like podcasts in general. Like it's also like. Your because everybody like do you know how many podcasts are in the world like but if you don't there's man millions of podcasts in the, in the whole world everyone has a different vibe for their podcast like for example all the smoke like they're just out there they're just vibing like they smoke on that podcast like that's their own vibe no chill he's out here you know roasting niggas like all that kind of stuff that's his own vibe like yeah. no jumper all these podcasts million dollars worth of game like you see different like the way they have their own vibe for their podcast like for example, if you watch Million Dollars Worth, worth a Game, I, like, I feel like if you told someone, like, oh, before every podcast, my goal is just to, like, play some music and dance in the and camera, just, yeah. people would be like, be what? Goofy. Like, who wants to watch that? Like, it's like, bro, we're here to watch you talk about shit that people want to hear about. We don't want to see you dance in the camera. But, like, that's, like, my favorite part of, like, the podcast watching now, like, because it's just, like, it's just different. Like, so it's, like, your, your own vision, don't, like, my thing is, like, my biggest thing is don't flip and destroy your whole vision off getting advice from people like take take things that people tell you like with a grain of salt like place them all on the table and be like okay i like what he said here but i feel like this doesn't go with my vision because at the end of the day your vision is your vision so i think relaying that to my djing and event curation that's the biggest thing i've had to learn because the truth is no one wants to go out to a party anymore especially past covid yeah um, it's not even a fear of like the health concern, but it's more so like, okay, I've spent a year away from going to the club and turning up. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of good on it. So that puts you in a position that you have to do something different. Yeah. You can't just plan an event and say, 
oh, we're going to come turn up and we're going to drink and we're going to have good music play. That's not enough. Um, you have to do something that people are going to leave and say, oh, this was an experience. Yeah. Um, but it's not an experience that they've already lived it. That's why it's like you have to try and find a way to do something different. You can't really ask for too much advice because people are going to say, oh, that's weird or that's too different or that might not work because of this or because of that. Um, but that's my biggest motivation right now is just trying to find a way to switch it up. Nah, that's, that's People true, remember bro, you for bro. that. You got it like, like, because at the end of the day, bro, there's already somebody, like, if there's already so many people doing this one thing, like, it's okay to branch out. And I've always lived on this concept. I'll rather go through, like, listen to everyone's advice, make certain changes I feel like needs to be made, but going through my actual vision for something, I'll rather do that. And if it fails, I'll be like, at least I gave it everything I could. Like, I gave, I knew I tried what I wanted to try and wanted to see the outcome of it. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to be. That's cool. Now, learn from what happened in the past. Like, what happened from that event? If it was an advice someone gave me earlier, sure, take that. Um, if it was something different I didn't even think about, take that. And it's like, it's okay to take risk. And another thing that, like, especially, like, in this, in our new generation, a lot of people don't, like, a lot of people don't want to grind, bro. Like, people don't. Like, people really just want to be like, okay, I'm, I want to DJ. Okay, let me buy myself the most expensive turntables. And if you if you, if you can afford it, that's cool. But it's like, I want to get these tables and immediately be DJing in Dallas at a big party. It's like, yeah. bro, like, it doesn't work like that in anything in this world. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And it's like, tell me about, like, I guess, working with, like, people or hearing people who would come up to you and, like, with that kind of mindset or even how that might have crept up to you as you were an upcoming DJ right now. Um, So... The turntables I learned to DJ on aren't even compatible with the, you know, standard uh -huh. DJ program. There were some random turntables. It almost looked like a toy. If you were to pick it up, you would think it was a toy. No boost. Um, I think learning how to mix probably on that first is probably what gave me the confidence to say, okay, I'm mixing on this. Like my first house party, I, I did with that little bitty ass mm -hmm. board that looked like a, a video game. <laughs> so it's like, I think that gave me some more confidence to say, "All right, bro, I'm turning, I'm turning it up with something that costs 150, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing other DJs that have the actual vinyl <laughs> that I'm, I'm doing better than. So it's like that kind of. I, I like to try not to buy equipment unless I absolutely have to, because mm -hmm. then I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing more or less, if that makes sense. But another thing you mentioned, though, you mentioned the word risk. Uh, that was that was one of the words I, I gave myself that like that I really meditated on all year because um, I feel like I do better when I don't know I I feel like I'm risking something by trying to still do it mm -hmm. post pandemic yeah because you know I don't feel like I've had a full period of like I'm just on top yeah um but that makes me want to risk everything I have more kind of every, with every event you do your name is on the line yeah. but it makes me want to like put it on the line more <laughs> if that makes sense you don't you can't if you can't risk it then you're, like, you're gonna no stay fun. where you're at yeah there's no fun in like it's like bro you if you're just on top all the time with no competition it's like man it's just it gets boring it's like every day I'm gonna come out here if you're on top all the time with no like, competition that like, means you aren't forcing yourself to keep excelling you're, you're just complacent and it's like you might also be putting yourself like, 
Because I feel like there's always a room for like competition. Like if you at that point where it's like, okay, I'm on top of Dallas now at any phase. Okay, why can't I try to be on top of, you know, the South Side now, you know, yeah. challenge myself. Well, I'm on top of the South Side. I mean, I can do that in the West. And like until you like, you can just keep going until you take, or it's not necessarily being, it's being greedy, but being good greedy, if that makes yeah. sense. Like it's not like being like greedy, like you don't care about anyone's, the way it affects other people. It's more about like, I'm trying to get to the best position ever because at the end of the day, bro, when it comes to like business and building your own brand, I learned this the hard way, bro. People are looking out for themselves first and there's nothing wrong with that. Like the moment you start trying to be, especially if you're someone who's up and coming, the moment you start trying to be a mentor before you even got to like, get to where you need to be is the beginning of your downfall. Cause now like you haven't learned too much but you're trying to like be like, oh yeah, you like you're trying to like make a team for yourself, and it's like, bro. And another thing that I learned through like it wasn't even through the pandemic. Like if I said this this summer, if I had my way, like if I could go back and like change things, I would have waited till like January to start my podcast wow. because like I feel like I could have done so much better. Like I feel like I could have just I was so eager because I was like, but at the same time, I don't believe that anymore because uh, a lot of the mentors in my life have told me start where you are because there's no such thing as the right time okay but, but my thing is not if it's not right time for me it's more about like doing it the the, the perfect way it's envisioned in my head there's no such and thing i'll explain to you i'll explain to you how i mean because like it's like i'll rather like okay here's the thing today i have this vision my podcast is going to be you know i, I want to do a podcast right yeah i'll rather like give it some months or maybe like a month to like be like okay this is the equipment I want. Yes, I can afford this kind of, this equipment, but I can afford this as closest to it or whatever. I don't have a studio to myself, okay? Yeah. So let's say, let me just have a table that I can put place somewhere every time I, I do a podcast. But you know, like, and then make a list of like people I want to interview. That's one thing I, I feel like I wasn't doing. Like I wasn't making a schedule. I was winging it. But look, you're doing it now, right? Yeah. But so, I'm so, saying, but so, okay. so give me a second. Right, go ahead. I'm saying that because it's like, I've all, bro, even in this moment right now, there's things that I have planned that I'm like, it's not the right time. Yeah. But that's just me being a procrastinator or like, that's just, perfectionist is uh -huh. just a, another word to say procrastinator. I'm not even saying perfectionist though. I'm just saying I'd rather do, I'd rather do shit the way it's supposed to, like the way it's supposed to be done. It might not be exactly as envisioned, like the way I vision, like I have my podcast in my head is not where it is right now. You know what I'm saying? If you're doing it, you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Shout out to Obi. One thing that he always says very loudly is fail forward, fail fast. Hmm. If you're going to do something, you gotta, you're going to fail regardless, no matter if you start today or tomorrow or whether you have a list or not. Um, if you start today, though, you have a head start on the uh, other version of you that waits another month yeah. and then starts failing a month after you, you were that that, 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 that makes, makes a lot of sense, though, because I said all that to say this at the end of the day. Yes, I wish I had waited a little bit. Maybe not necessarily like too long, but waited a little bit from where I, from when I started. But at the same time, I feel like I learned so much from like what I went through. Exactly. Starting the whole thing. And it's like there's so much shit that I didn't know back then that I know now. And it's like there's so much shit that I know now or that I don't know right now that I'm going to know in the next year and the year after. It's just going to keep going. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's what I was kind of driving at when I say people are not patient to just go through that mud that grind like bro when you think one person that i say motivates me to this day is travis scott bro this dude dropped out of utsa he got kicked out of his parents house then was sleeping on the couch of his friend in la and all of a sudden now travis scott sells out a whole 
arena. Like, have you seen? There's a there's there's two things I saw. There's a concert of Travis Scott. He's doing a concert and there's like 20 people in the crowd. Yeah, I've seen that. And video. it's not 20 people going crazy. It's 20 people like this. Him. And then there was another show that Travis Scott took all of them backstage, and they ended up doing the show backstage because there was so there was so little people. Yeah. And it's like, bro, like that's so much shit that like a lot of people don't really think about. They just want to be. They see the crowd now. Anyone that's great has to go through that moment of truth where they're like, Do I want to do this shit? Do, it's like not just do I want to do it, but what am I willing to give up for it? Because, yeah. like you said, he dropped out, got kicked out of his parents' crib. That's something you got to be willing to do. If yeah. There's no one, like, greatness doesn't come by accident. Mm-hmm. You have to give. I think the the number one attribute that great people have, from what I've studied, is the willingness to give everything away for what you want. Hmm. So, that's like. That's, that's actually crazy, dude. That, that, that's what it has. Uh, I don't like to be deep, though. But not like deep. Like, don't, not like. Okay, I'm not trying to be like cliche, but that's literally, that's literally how it is. You have to give it because think like, about it. Like, okay, so imagine me, right? This is something I'm a student. I'm about to graduate in the in the fall. Mm-hmm. But some some sometimes I think like, okay, for example, this is kind of a drastic example. But if I were to not go back to school this fall and focus 100 percent on DJing music, things could. Potentially go differently. Who knows who I'm going to bump into between now and December that yeah. I wouldn't if I'm in Lubbock. That's true. But, I mean, call me a hypocrite, but you have to be able to, will, you have to be willing to give up everything, I feel like. I've never, like, I, I spent a lot of time studying how the people that are in the position I want to be in, how they mm-hmm. get there. And most of the time it's like, they said, nothing is going to stop me. Like, that's the one trait is that determination, that drive, yeah. that, like, you, there's people, someone that's, super intelligent and is not willing to sacrifice what they have won't get any farther than someone that has average intelligence or like whatever you want to call it Uh and um is willing to say fuck everything actually you talking about meeting like going somewhere i mean bro you just said (laughs) like a thousand times i I, I meant to ask (laughs) you we can curse oh bro it doesn't matter bro i don't my fault my fault i'm gonna stop but what do you mean yourself i just said i don't care all right come on but uh, when you when you're talking about like going to random places and meeting people, or not going to random places, but you said you never know who you meet. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your most. I want to say that's probably. Would you say like going to Seattle and DJing over there is like? Would you say it's the biggest thing you've done so far? I would say going to Seattle. I've I've DJed larger parties than Seattle, but uh-huh. that was still the weekend that changed my outlook on DJing. The most out of any other situation mm-hmm. ever. Because of a few things. One, Bobby is a very gracious host and yeah. he has a lot of wisdom that he's gonna just willingly give that give out. Yeah. Um number two, there's that confidence boost when you go to a place because I've been DJing in Texas my whole life, or since I started. Mm-hmm. And um I'm DJing to people I know what they like, I know what they don't like. I've been DJing to there's there's some people I've probably DJed in front of more than fifty times. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm probably one of them. I'm a lot of you. Okay, so it's like I know it's gonna get you going. Yeah. But then when you go to somewhere, somewhere that's like Seattle northwest, yeah, you don't know US, what they like. It's like it's a, it's a shot in the dark. But yeah. then that's where the skill of actually the the main skill of being a DJ is being able to read the crowd. Yeah. And cater to their needs. So being in Seattle and being able to be in a room full of people that I've never met, may never meet again, 
mm-hmm. uh, have no idea what kind of things they like and still rock it, that's like the biggest confidence boost I needed. That but, is a big, like, when you put it that way, that makes a lot of sense because it's like, well, you don't know. Like, you probably know maybe a couple of people in that crowd and those couple of people are probably people from Texas that you already knew from Texas. Exactly. So it's like now you, you're in a whole Seattle, you don't know what they like. It's just like, I mean, I have an idea this is what they like, but I'm just like, I'm going to just, you know, play. Because at the end of the day, in Texas, you play play ball, Cardi, everyone's going to go crazy. Gunner, everyone's going to go crazy. In Seattle, they might not like Gunner like that. They might think Gunner sucks. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like they might like, in certain places, they might not like certain music, but it's yeah. like you just got to figure out. And there's no amount of studying that you can do that you can't really like. I mean, you can study. I, you I can study. study like book, like you can study right before the whole, right before you DJ? I think, yeah. I think I was... I, what I view as studying, uh-huh. it's like market research. I when I got there on Friday, and I insisted that I go out just mm-hmm. so I can see what is it that you know gets them going. What do they you know not like? Yeah. First of all, that's the biggest thing. What can I stay away from? Uh, but that's you can you can but, if you but, watch another podcast, you're okay, gonna know. Okay, what, okay so I, I know what you're saying. Like, it's but but research. but think about it this way too. If you go somewhere in Dallas where it's like older crowd or a certain crowd of people, yeah. there's going to be a DJ there playing songs that you don't even fuck with. But the people out there are having a great time. Oh, for sure. So I, you see I, what I'm I, saying? So it's like, I'm saying like you can study, but it's like even studying that much is not going to help you. Like it's going to give you a much more comfortable vibe on stage. But I feel like, like even as a podcast, like doing podcasts, like I, I interview new people all the time. I don't know what like what they want to talk about. Like I don't know what they're cool with. Yeah. And I'm saying... So it's like me looking at other podcasts and all that stuff, that helps me. But at the end of the day, if I'm watching all those podcasts, I'm not interviewing that very guest that I just watched on the TV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like, how do I go about this guest? Like, I know so much. to I know what to, I know how to, like, you know, greet the person. I know what to ask the person, how to phrase the questions. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, there's still times where I just have to be, like, on my feet and think about it. Because yeah. even when you talk about, like, to the nitty gritty, like if you're a football player, like you practice all the time, you run routes, all that stuff, like you could have a play. You're running a ten yard in, right? That ten yard in might just <laughs> All right, my bad. You probably don't know what I'm talking about. But like just think like you run a route that is scheduled to like, okay, you run this route this very time, the ball's coming to you. Yeah. The linebacker steps up. Now what? But it's like, okay, there's a peak point in the game where it's like we need to get this first down or we need to get this touchdown. Mm-hmm. So now you you can't be like, oh, shit, I'm going to just keep running the end until I get open. You got to improvise. And that's what separates, like, the good from, like, the great from the good because it's like, okay, the good is going to run that around and be like, at least I did what I did the way it should have been done right. There's nothing much I can do. But the great is going to be like, I ran this in. My quarterback is not sacked yet, which means he can still throw the ball. And I'm not. I'm obviously not open, so I'm going to cut out and try to find an open place so he can give me the ball. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. And then me personally, I'm gonna pretend like I know exactly what you're talking about. But as someone <laughs> that that doesn't watch many sports, it's like okay. But no, nah, I know what you mean though. Yeah. You have to be able to improvise. Yeah. Change on the fly. That's a very important skill in life. Whether yeah. you're trying to do anything like creative or mm-hmm. trying to take a path lesser traveled, or if you're just an employee. Yeah. Which is obviously like that's another acceptable route. Yeah. But like even in the workforce, I'm trying to get a job right now, mm-hmm. or by the time I graduate. And I'll be in these interviews. They ask me a question that I did not study for. Man, you telling me, bro? They ask you random questions, bro. Like the funny thing about job interviews is like 
you know, growing up, at least like in high school, freshman in college, when they say, tell me about yourself, you expect to be like, oh, yeah, I'm from Plano, Texas. I went to Texas Tech. It's like, bro, they don't care about that shit. Don't That's care. not what they're talking about. They say, tell me about yourself. It's like job interviews are like, you, they will humble you, bro. Like, you, they'll mess your brain up and you're just like, bro, I don't even know what you want me to say to this Another kind of thing, question. Though, the career search has very interestingly prepared me for like DJing. Because... Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to give right now my task. I'm restructuring. I feel like in terms of the business side of things, um, there's more like this whole summer. I've been getting booked a lot. Mm-hmm. I've been told no a lot. Uh, I think for most of those no's, I would have got a yes if I was presenting things differently. Yeah. If I now I I've, I've learned what it means to to prepare before you go talk to someone. Now I have a press kit. I'm building a website. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. These are the important things that you can get booked. Like that's the difference between where I'm at now and where I want to be. Um, you, I can do a club. Mm-hmm. I can do. Those are the easiest gigs to really get. Those are the ones that people are going to think matter the most. But those are the easiest gigs to get. If you know one promoter, you're going to get bookings all week long. But the the things that I'm trying to get into. You need to have that professional aspect to the business yeah. to where you can go up to, for example, Texas Tech Athletics and say, look, I'm the one you should be hiring for all the game days. Yeah. Or you go up to a venue, you go up to American Airlines, you say, for this intermission, I'm the one that should be DJing. Yeah. Those are the different. Different stuff. It's, 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 it's levels. And the job search me trying to get a job and me having to tweak my resume for a year straight and me going through all these interviews and me getting told no for this reason or this reason. You just got to change that every time. You got to you gotta transfer that knowledge yeah. into DJing or whatever your craft is. Mm-hmm. And it'll it'll help a lot. I, I know so many talented people that have been in the same spot because of their professionalism. True. That is not... You can't I, scale unless, you're, unless your back end is... Able to. Yeah. At the end of the day, man, professionalism comes in so many ways. Like, no one, like, even in the game of rap that, yes, obviously professionalism is not wearing a suit or whatever, but it's like. You'll be surprised. I mean, I'm not even, like, I'm saying, like, a DJ is not going to want to work. Like, a guy who has a recording studio is not going to work, want to work with a guy who's consistently always, like, flaking in and out, like, doesn't keep communication, all that kind of stuff. Like, obviously, we're human beings. You could be late at certain times, like. But it's about keeping that communication. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that's part of professionalism. Like, saying, oh, I know we're scheduled for this time, but I can't make, like, I can't make it at this time. Can we move it to this time while I'm running late? You know, some rappers just be, like, they just don't say anything. They just show up to the studio high, <laughs> cooked as hell. And it's like, they might, they're still good. They're still going to eat that hell. But it's like, that doesn't mean that that producer wants to work with you as much because it's like, bro, you're wasting my time. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think, okay, because, yes, you're right. But there's also a base level of courtesy, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, that you should have for the people around you, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, like, that's just you being a good person. You not wasting other people's time. Yeah. And you realizing, okay, this person, this studio manager does not enjoy when I smoke it out. Yeah. So I'm not going to smoke it out. Yeah. It's like, it's th- those. that's one of those things that you, you just have to... You have to keep in mind. Yeah. That's not, I'm, there's like two sides of professionalism. But I think that side that you're talking about is more so courtesy. Yeah. 
I mean, I still think it's a part of it. Like, regard, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you said, there's two sides. There's still a part of it. And it's like, I feel like that's the basic stuff that you should already know. Yeah, that's the basic stuff. Like some, because some people don't even do that, you know? But I mean, it is what it is. Uh, to close this podcast out, um, so it's been a long summer, right? Yes, uh, sir. We've had We've had some few albums. Yes, Shit, sir. not even the summer. Let's just say the whole year. Mm-hmm. What is the best album of the year so far? If the if if today if you are at the whatever awards right now and they say Asagi, you're the one picking the album of the year today. Mm-hmm. What are you picking? Well, okay. First of all, you're asking me a day before Donda drops, so that's not fair because we might be getting album of the year tomorrow. Well, it's today. Let's say today is December thirty first. So now let's t- let's imagine this is December thirty first. So Donda's not dropping to January first. All right, so, so it doesn't right. count. Look, my issue with best is because there's no best in my heart, at least, and I don't think in most people that we can have a best. So how do you how do you how do you classify what's the okay, best? Okay, so how about this? Go with your your favorite number one. And then you can go with like the hottest album. Because at the end of the day, there's no best, but there's a hottest album. Okay, so I can't tell you the best or my favorite. I don't have favorites. Oh god. I'm I'm being honest. But <laughs> because there's different moods that I need different music for. Uh-huh. That's the truth about it. Um when it comes to an album that I play a lot, mm-hmm. I'm still listening to um The Voice of the Hero a lot. For some reason. Okay. I actually was not I was anticipating it. I got it. I was like, okay, it's normal. And I haven't then, listened to it that much. I won't lie to you. You should. Bro. I mean, it's up to you. But two weeks went by, and I said, let me listen to it again. And since then, I haven't stopped. But I feel like it's hard to say the hottest album. It's hard to even say, like, what's crazy is there's no real song of the summer. But what are you doing, man? Give me something, bro. <laughs> 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 Give me something. Look, bro, look. Just say, <laughs> say something, bro. Look, all right. This is why sell records. I must ah. put my phone out. I must really look and see because this is. I hate this question, and people expect me to know this because I'm a DJ, but there is no answer. All right, okay, okay, okay. Uh, how about this? Okay, Let's okay. Look, you. I'll say one of the hottest. <sighs> man, you got me slumped, man. Hey, bro. Anyways. But, but two albums, let me say just, let me mm-hmm. give out some honorable mentions at least. Some music that I've been really enjoying lately, Voice of the Heroes album, mm-hmm. Vince Staples by Vince Staples. Right. That's a great album. Uh, another album that I've really been enjoying is, you guys give me time. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Can y'all run that commercial real quick? <laughs> <laughs> bro. Nah. Um, and it's so crazy because this whole year, I've actually been listening to a lot of old, old music. Yeah, I've been I've been revisiting like a lot of Fifty Cent stuff, a lot of Pharrell and the Neptunes. Um, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I'm the kind of guy that listens to, to this day. I still listen to N.W.A.'s album, the first album. Like I'm very into like '80s, '90s rap here and there. I don't. I'm not gonna listen to it every day, but like there's just some there days I listen to that. Whole. I don't listen to a lot of old music, but nah, I, I, I go I through phases. Ev- that's the I listen to everything. Like I listen to some rock music. Some like random, like random ass music. I listen to them, but like obviously, I won't listen to them every day or every week. Just random times, I'll be like, huh, I just remember that song. I'm just gonna play it. But like, I'm a type of person that I can truly say I listen to any single type of music. Like, I, if you check my playlist, you can see you will see the most random songs on there that you might not know. You might know. You're just like, bro, what is this? I'm gonna be honest with you though. 
I've heard too many people say that, and then I play a song, and they're like, "What is this?" I'm mean, honest. I, I know every song. I said, "No, I was not too, no." So many, but they'll be songs. like, "They'll be like, oh, this sucks." I'm not trying to hear that. I mean, they might not like the the specific song. Bro, come on now. Like, bro, just because I li- just because I listen to some rock doesn't mean like if you play some hard ass metal rock, I'm gonna be like, yeah, pl- like, I might not like that. So, See what I'm, I'm saying I'm gonna keep it. A, I'm gonna keep it a stack with you. The niggas that be like, bro, I listen to everything. I, one one person that I know will listen to anything is Malik. Okay, but outside of him, people be like, I listen to everything. My music taste is so diverse, bro. They listen to Tame Impala <laughs> sometimes, and <laughs> then. And then suddenly their music taste is so diverse, man. I'm tired of the cat. Bro, you know what? After this, I'm, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. I have literally, I have an African playlist. I have a rap playlist. I have R&B. I have random ass rock music. Like, I listen to anything, but I'm not saying, like, I'm going to like every single type. Of, like, yeah. I might listen to rock, but I might only like, like, 10 songs, like, 10 rock songs. Like, yeah. you know? That doesn't mean I'm going to like every single rock song that you play for me. I will say you know I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to expand my taste. Uh yeah, Although you I, never know where you have to DJ, bro. Like that's another thing. I mean, yeah, I do. I'll turn I turn down bookings where I feel like I'm not well equipped. For real? Yeah. Because what am I why am I gonna DJ for your party? And I so really what I do is it depends. If it's not way, way, way too far off from what I'm used to, then I'll be able to study for like if you book me, at least that week of I'm going to practice a lot what yeah. I know you're gonna want to hear. But I can't tell you that I, when I was DJing on Broadway in Lubbock, and I'm DJing at Atomic, and I'm DJing at Crickets. This dude was bugging, <laughs> bro. I mean, they pay. That's the thing; they pay better. But I had to kind of learn. Okay, maybe I should play some Frank Sinatra here because uh-huh. there's a remix that they like, or mm-hmm. I should play Tiesto mm-hmm. because that EDM should be going crazy sometimes yeah. too. It depends. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I had to learn it, but. I was actually in the gym a couple of days ago. I was listening to Tiesto. I was like, hey, this EDM shit go crazy. <laughs> you were pumping. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you. You were going hard in the gym listening to EDM, bro. What I'm learning is a lot of what works in one genre, you can make in, you can make it work in rap. You just have to find a way to adapt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to the song Money Longer, that's actually an EDM beat. Or, in, or it has a lot of elements of an EDM beat. Mm-hmm. But the way they produced it, and then put Lil Uzi, Lil Uzi on it. Yeah. It's now a rap song. Yeah. It's it's really more of the, the But if you, now. if you notice, that song when you play it, and you play that song at shows and you watch videos of, of him performing it, the whole crowd is going crazy. Little do they know it was an EDM music. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, there's, like, it's just kind of like, you know, like, dubstep. Like, you know how, like, there's a rap music just switch that hoe up? Some of them are trash. But, like, there's some of them that you're actually hearing, you're like, dang, it's actually, they actually did a good job on this. Yeah. But I mean, music is subjective. I've always thought that. Like, I've studied. I've spent a lot of time on YouTube. Is my best friend. I don't lie to you. I spent a lot of time on YouTube. Greatest creation in the world. Just listening, watching all these different kind of documentary style videos on how music is being made. There's a lot to. There's so much to this music shit that you really have to dedicate hours. You have to really make that ten thousand hours just to put it in, like at a certain level. There's not enough songs to sample that are in English, for example. Yeah. You got to start going to these other countries, listening to Man, different kinds of music. I never thought that far before. Yeah. yeah. If you listen to a lot of the samples that are in popular songs, mm-hmm. a lot of them are from the most crazy spots. Like, you won't even know. Whoopty, for example, that is an Indian song that they sampled on that. That is, I could believe that for sure. It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's to say that, you can't box yourself in to what your people know. 
Like, yeah. that's how you stay stagnant. Like, when you stay in that mode of comfort and you're like, okay, let me find an R&B song or sample. I've heard a million R&B samples before. They still can, they can go, but when you hear a song like Whoopty and you're like, whoa, first of all, where the hell did they get this sample? Yeah. And number two, that's, you know, drill is relatively new still. Like, that style of drill, New York mm-hmm. drill, is like, someone had to get that from somewhere else. You know, someone was in the UK or was listening to Grime and was like, I think American rappers can rap over this type of beat too. Yeah. But it takes someone that's willing to take that next take step. that step out of yeah. what's comfortable and what's what's not cool. That's the truth All about of a sudden, it. And then it becomes cool after. It becomes cool. That's how rap started in, in general. Like they didn't want to play gangster. They didn't want to play like music where they're using heavy cuss words on the radio. But like NWA and like people like that took that next step, and they're like, "You don't want to hear this? That's cool. We're still gonna make it, and you're gonna hear it regardless." Now. How I mean, many rap music do you know that they don't cuss in? You know they had a, sec- a severe case of not caring. Like they, they did not like, especially like people like you have people like Ice Cube, Easy E. Like bro, if you see interviews with Ice Cube, bro, Ice Cube didn't give a he didn't give he didn't care at all. Like he literally didn't care. He literally went into he literally wrote a music talking about fuck the police. Like bro, come on, like that's that shit that you don't see happening. Like you know, like but at the end of the day, like whether. Everyone's gonna have their own perspective of the music. Some people's gonna think that's bad. Some people's gonna think that's good. Regardless, the majority thinks that's live. Or like, regardless, it's gonna be a crowd that rocks with that whole more than you know everybody else. And that's really what like you. There's a music for everybody. There's always always gonna be a crowd. You gotta think. We have internet now. So, uh, Jack Butcher. If you look Mm -hmm. him up, he's a he's like a contemporary thought leader, but. He opened my eyes to the fact that back then or prior to the internet and what we have now, like with social media, you had to try and build the widest fan base you possibly could. Yeah. But now with the internet, you you can quite literally stay in your lane mm-hmm. and just build up. Yeah. There's going to be enough people that like that weird niche that you're in uh-huh. to fund your lifestyle and turn you into a star. And you don't have to, you know, conform to what, most people will like anymore. You can have, there's, on TikTok, TikTok's the best example. On TikTok, you can make a TikTok of you cleaning. Like there's a million TikToks now of people just cleaning. And there are enough people that like watching someone clean to where it's a trend. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing that used to exist, but since we have the internet, we have social media, we're able to create anything. You should create whatever you like and there's going to be enough people that like it too. All right, man. To close this out, uh, top five rappers that are alive for you. For me, yeah. Okay, people might. I mean, the old heads might hear this and get mad at me, but I mean, it don't matter. It's you, <laughs> of course. But most of my influences are relatively young. Okay. Um, in no order. So we're saying rappers or musicians, which or musicians, but just my top five, like as in okay. So here's why I have, I'm asking that because there's people that I feel like fit in the lane of producer mm-hmm. that I really draw a lot of influence from and I'm a fan of. There's rappers. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, like Drake isn't the best rapper, but he's still in my top five. But to keep it short, um, Drake, Travis Scott. Well, okay. Drake, Kanye West. Uh-huh. 
Pharrell. It's different. He's a pioneer. Um, Drake, Kanye, Pharrell. I would say, so I have two more spots. You just kicked my boy Travis out, bro. Yeah. I mean, not yet, though. Jay-Z, so I have one more spot. Right. Jay-Z is very important to me. Jay-Z is very important to for uh, hip-hop in general. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, this is such a boring top five to me, but uh, that's hard. I want to give it to Travis, but a lot of the, the traits I like in Travis, he got from Kanye. Um, Metro Boomin. Metro Boom for sure, cause uh, I I draw a lot of inspiration from him and like that run he was on. Mm-hmm. It's two parts of him. That run that he was on from what was it? Maybe like 2014 uh-huh. to really until he retired. Um, that was a crazy run. He was on the top 10, occupying like three, four spots at a time. He he, he has been going crazy. Like, he he was going crazy. And uh, then, also, I respect his his dedication to the art form. Uh, he doesn't care. Like, he retired to focus on how can I make an album the best it can be, not have it focus on being just hits. Mm-hmm. And he, he did that. And that's what I really admire about what Metro Boomin does. That's true. So, he has to get, get a spot in my top five for sure. All right, man. Appreciate you for coming out here, bro. This this has been a great conversation. There's some we gonna talk about that Travis shit though, because I'm not really I'm not sorry, really rocking bro. with that. But appreciate you for coming out, man. It's been a great time in the studio. Appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Mainfield Recording Studios for letting me use your space today. Really appreciate y'all. Hey, and uh, before we go, I'd like to shout out uh, you first mm-hmm. of all for having me on the show. All I right. was reluctant at first because I just. I don't feel too comfortable talking in front of people sometimes, but I'm trying to get out of my shell. Another thing, uh, who else do I shout out? Hey, everyone. Everybody is, who, uh, who's putting some work in the podcast and you in this studio, anything. Hey, yeah. But for real, thank you to anyone that is uh, currently supporting me. I don't think I have fans. I have supporters. Yeah. I have friends. I have family. Thank you all. Uh, but that's that's my backbone. So yeah. thank you, though, again. No problem, bros. Thank y'all so much for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all make sure to go check out Pass the Rock on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yes, we are now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know, we're going up. (laughs) But appreciate y'all for watching. Y'all make sure to go check out YouTube. Like, subscribe, comment. Let me know if you want me to interview anybody or any debate topics. That being said, guys, peace out.